We watched a very bad movie last night. Ooh, what was it? It was called Little Italy. Um, It was a romantic comedy. And we just did that thing, you know, when you browse streaming stuff and you're just Mm -hmm. like, fuck, I don't want to look anymore. This is it. This is what we're watching. (laughs) Yeah. And we literally got through half of the movie and we're like, should we stop? Because this is very bad. And we're just like, I don't want to look for anything else. So let's just keep going. Oh, what? um, Who was it starring? Starring Hayden Christensen. Oh. Yeah, he looks totally different. He looks so like beleaguered. I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> he was and, a little Lily, you know. I guess. And then uh, Emma Roberts. Um, uh, she's she you'd recognize her. She's in lots okay. of things. Um, right. Small blonde woman. And in the premise was <laughs> these two childhood best friends. They mm. grew up in Little Italy of Toronto. By the way, it's Canadian. Um, All right, I did not know. I didn't either. I learned a lot about Canada. Um, And they had, uh, originally their families worked together in a pizzeria, but then they split up and now it's like a family feud. She went away. She came back to town. Classic rom-com stuff. Is this a Lifetime movie or something? This sounds dumb. This Hallmark movie? You know, I don't know who produced it, but here's the thing. It was made in 2018, which is insane to me. For several reasons, one of which, there's two scenes I want to talk about this in this movie. So, spoilers ahead for Little Italy, <laughs> <laughs> which, unfortunately, we didn't realize until after we watched it, it had like a 3.7 on IMDb. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah. Or maybe 4.7. Still bad. The two scenes that I found the most ridiculous, like the whole thing was bad, very bad writing, very just obvious shit. <laughs> so, these two pizzerias are in a feud, right? And they just keep escalating. At one point, one family... Their idea of a trick is replacing their oregano with weed. What? And the way we find out about this is the so the pizza readers are next door and they hear partying coming from the next one and they it has like everyone's like on tables and dancing and I'm like this is not what weed does to you. <laughs> <laughs> and and like they figure out like the son comes in he's like this is an oregano dad and we're just like. One, that's not what weed looks like. It just looked like oregano. And it's just like, that's some very bad weed you have there. And two, that's not what weed does. And they like got arrested. I'm like, three, this is Canada in 2018. I think weed's okay now. Like, you can't have that much of it probably. But also like, what the fuck? It's just a basic misunderstanding of marijuana. And okay, you work in, a, you work in food service. You ostensibly know what your pizza smells like. <laughs> be a bad smell to and you're like dumping and, and putting in the oven marijuana flakes like what yeah you would notice <laughs> and that was insane they also Ooh. had this weird horny cop who gave like the male lead uh, like a pat down which was very uncomfortable to watch <laughs> yeah it sucked and then the second scene that i just like lost my shit over was that like the girl in this the lead woman She's like a, supposed to be a nice, like a fancy chef. She went to London for culinary school, and now she's like competing with another person to get hired by this like star chef. Okay. And she's supposed to be working on her menu, which stresses me the fuck out because she doesn't work on it like for most of the movie. And I'm just like, you should be cooking right now. Why are you doing this? <laughs> um, and then the one scene where they show us her working on her menu, she just has like what looks like a you know a knockoff version of illustrator open and is just like dragging pictures of food next to descriptions of food as if that's how you make a menu (laughs) like a fancy chef thing too yeah this is supposed to be a nice restaurant 
And I'm like, that's not how you don't just like get to write down what you think is going to work. You have to like test recipes and shit. Like, this is not how you make a menu. She's just like on Pinterest, like, oh, yeah, I'll make that. Drag that over. Yeah. She's basically <laughs> dragging and dropping photos. And I'm just you never see her cooking this menu. It's so weird. Wow. That's yeah. It's incredible. It was bizarre. Like those those two scenes. I just lost my fucking shit. Damn. That's. It's the wonders of bourgeois culture, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I spent my Saturday night. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's get back into this. Uh, let's get back into this reading. All right. Oh yeah, if you want to follow along with us, we had this last episode too, but uh, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/TeachMeCommunism, and you can actually uh, follow along using Christine's uh, excellent student notes uh, PDF. <laughs> Of all that, uh, you, you can you can follow along there. If you're not up for that, you want to do you know DIY free version. You can just Google it. You know Karl Marx Communist Manifesto. You can find it at Marxists.org, and there's there's a completely free online version there for you uh, yeah. to follow along. But the Patreon version has little doodles and jokes, so <laughs> they're pretty good. They're pretty good. I, I will say, not an art critic, but pretty good. I'll take that review. The next section, section two, proletarians and communists. I want to preface this with I found this section annoying because of the format. Um, This section is very much the the throwing shade section where he's like, here's what these people say we're about. Here's what we're actually about. What I found was frustrating that like he, this was like the format of rebuttal, but he didn't set up what these original people said. So it's just like, it's like me saying like, well, I think so-and-so's a real asshole because, because of this. But it, well, not even explaining because of this, just being like, I think so-and-so's a real asshole. Here's why I'm not an asshole. Instead of me saying, so-and-so said this about me, and yeah. now I'm mad. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, it, he didn't have any backstory to this. Yeah. Until like later in the section, I think, he, he breaks it down. I'm like, why didn't you put that first? Yeah. Uh, the way this, <laughs> this, well, the way the whole document was created, actually, uh, Frederick Engels, we mentioned him last episode. Yes. He's like buddy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, Marx and Engels were in this group called the League of Communists, which sounds a like a good name. Yeah. Um, and they were like, guys, can you, you know, write like a, a manifesto or, or a catechism of what mm-hmm. we believe? And they were like, that's stupid. No one wants to read that. No, we don't <laughs> want to. But then one of them like did write one and it was shitty. And so Engels were like, no, no, dude, that's terrible. Like, throw that in the trash. I'll write you one, okay? Oh, he, that's great. He writes like this question and answer for an FAQ. I, yeah, I saw that at the end of this. And so my document included that. And it, it reads like the fucking, you know, raised Catholic here. It reads like the Nicene Creed of like, do you reject Satan and all of his works? Like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's immediately the tone I pictured. Well, that's what Engels does, right? And that actually is the first draft, essentially, of what Marx is writing here. Uh, so Marx is, is kind of cribbing from that. So when he doesn't uh, cite the actual question, that's because like, you know, Engels did. And Engels said like, you know, people say that you guys are about this, you know, what the hell? And then he'll explain what the communists are actually about. Marx just mm-hmm. left that first part out and just said, oh. damn, communists aren't about this. Like they're, you know, they're actually cool. Um, just a real editing problem, in my opinion. Yeah. I also like, this is a, a little trivia note, but Marx, uh, procrastinated like crazy on this (laughs) oh that's why you like him you know they they got him to agree to write this more manifesto more historically based thing compared to what Engels did and he was like okay but then he like fucked off 
for two months. <laughs> they didn't hear from him. And finally they called him back, you know, they, they got a hold of him and, and said, you got like, you know, two weeks to, to write this or else, you know. Oh, shit. And he's like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Relatable. But yeah. All right. Let's get into this uh, second section yeah. here. Uh, let's see. The first part that you had a question on, I think, is when it gets to the communists, what group they are in existing, like, working class parties. Yeah. I was asking about, okay, what does the line of march mean? Just... Uh, the line that? of march just means like what they need to do. Uh, what's the plan? Uh, oh, he's okay. basically here just saying communists are super cool. If you look <laughs> at any of the working class parties, they're the guys who get shit done. They're the real dedicated okay. activists. They know their theory. They know what the proletariat need to do to get things done. And they know what the f- bright future will look like. Okay. My next question was, yeah, what, I think what you were talking about is there the immediate aim of communists, blah, blah. Oh. Um, is the formation of the proletariat into a class. And I was like, I thought they were already a class. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's what we're talking about, the class consciousness thing. Like, they have to they have to make it more official or something. <laughs> exactly. He is referring to class consciousness there. He's okay. saying make them realize a class, that they are this class and not that they make are. Make them more know. organized, I guess, than just like class in in terms of like, yeah, we're all in the same situation and make it more of a, we're all in the same situation. Now let's do something about it. Yeah. You don't want them thinking, you know, sure I'm a worker, but I'm middle class. You don't, you don't want them mystified (laughs) by that. You want them to realize, no, I'm a worker. I'm going to fight for the workers, you know? Okay. Let's see what's next. All right. I was confused by this part. Oh, the property question. This is where you get the property question. Oh gosh. I got confused. I literally, at one point I wrote, LOL, can I have my own shit or not? Right. Uh, Because like, I mean, I I think communism sounds good, but I also want to like have a house. Is that okay? It is okay. Okay. Uh, All right. So it's confusing though. You're right. Because he sets it up and says, communism is not the abolition of property generally, but the abolition of bourgeois property. Because then he turns around and he says, um, the theory of communists summed up in the single sentence abolition of private property. So that sounds like two different things. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, So here's, here's kind of how I understand it. I'm lumping all this into one thing because it's confusing to break it down by one, you know, one by one point. So this whole like little red, this whole section where I have a lot of red. Yeah. Marx is talking about, (laughs) about different types of property kind of, and, and what the communists think about that and, and what they want to do. Okay. Okay. And he says, uh, he refers to self-earned property or personally acquiring property. All right. Yeah. And he doesn't really use the word, but he's actually there trying to distinguish between two different types of property. Okay. Personal property. All right. That self-earned or personally acquired property. That sentence read is like sarcastic. No, no, no. Um, he, okay. he, he wasn't, I don't think, so he says a uh, hard-worned, self-acquired, self-earned property. There was an exclamation point, which made me read it as sarcastic. He, I guess so he does sort of and doesn't sort of. He means it sarcastically from the point of view of a bourgeois critic who would say, you want to take away my hard-earned factory? Yes. You know, and he's like, yeah, I do. Fuck you. Um, you didn't earn it. <laughs> but yeah, but what he's saying is people do earn their property because he says, do you mean the property of petty artisan and the small peasant? Like I grew my own potatoes. Those are my potatoes. Yeah. Like, but if I own a potato farm, like a giant one, and it's like a factory situation, then that's not hard earned. Yeah. The factory owner taking that from you and selling mm-hmm. it at a profit. Like, no. Yeah. That's what he's 
So that's the distinction. Personal property is just is what you're concerned about. Regular <laughs> shit that you own. Okay. And it's I your, still have all my jumpsuits. Your and... phone, your laptop, your toothbrush, yeah. your clothes. That's fine. Communists still want you to have that and they want you to even have as much as you want. That's okay. Okay. Do that. That's cool. So let's say I'm in I'm in communist land. Things are great. I just have a house. They just gave me a house. How does house work? Are you in the utopia stage? Uh, sure. Let's say it. It's replicated. I mean, it's just there. You know. Okay. Boom. I can just make whatever I want. You anytime. can own it. You can own seven of them. No one cares. I can 3D point. print my house in my jumpsuits and my coffee. Yeah. In socialism, I mean, you would definitely have a house, but like you might not own it. You might just kind of like stay there and it's provided okay. for you. It's more of a social shared thing, but you probably okay. don't, you pr- definitely, you know, don't have like eight of them you might all right i don't have to live with rando people no you shouldn't have to i mean if honestly i guess if societies wasn't advanced enough to get it to where everybody could have their own house you know you might have an apartment situation that's okay i mean i live in an apartment now yeah so that depends but like marx's distinction here for private property Mm-hmm. All right. When he says, yeah, we do want to abolish private property or what he calls modern bourgeois private property that is tied up in social relations. And so it makes it confusing. The way he explains it is bad. Yeah. Is this where I wrote the social status? I was like, what's mm-hmm. the difference? Okay. Yeah. He talks himself in circles here, I think. But to boil it down, it's when someone owns something and makes other people do work using it and makes a profit off of that. So it's very specific, okay. you know, owning a factory not necessarily private property unless you're actually using it. You're putting people into the factory, making them work, and taking the profit for yourself. That's what he refers to as the social Okay, part. so basically no more employers. Yeah, he's saying we're not going to have that exploitation anymore. Private property is referring to the means of production. Okay, capital. All right? It can be that factory situation. It can be you know, a farm that you have people working on and, and you take the profit from that. It can be unearned money in the form of... Uh, of like stock market trading and yeah. things and, and speculating. Gambling. Yeah, any of that is private <laughs> property. Things that you can make money off of. Okay. But and specifically make money off of not by your own labor but by someone else's. Okay. 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 So like if you want to start a, a small business, you know, an Etsy or something on your computer, your computer's not private property now, um, because you're doing that. It's still personal property. You're not. Unless I'm you're, the only one working on yeah, it. Yeah, if you're putting someone else to work and you're paying them less than what they're producing, and taking that profit for yourself, sure, your computers become okay. private property. And so that gets very difficult though, because it's like you know that works on like a I guess an individual artist level, but it, it kind of breaks down as soon as you move anywhere from that. Like if you're you know I want to open a, a restaurant. I'm going to have to source my food from somewhere. And if I want to make a profit, I'm going to have to like try to get the lowest price I can for it. Uh, sourcing your food right? is fine. You're entering into a oh. contract with someone else, but if you're paying your workers. Well, yeah. So you, you can only run a one person restaurant. You can run a one person restaurant. You can not make a profit. You could just pay your workers, <laughs> whatever they're worth. And okay. Break even every month. Work it together. Yeah. Um, you could, and this is where you'd kind of get more detail with workers, co- worker co-ops and things. Workers could decide what they're going to do and then democratically like use the whatever profits are made for the company. All right. Oh. So that doesn't go into your paycheck necessarily. That might go to growing. the. You can still make a profit, but you use it to like, you know, build the company and stuff. Yeah. Instead of just like giving it to the owner. Confusing. Yeah. You know, communists vary on whether they like worker co-ops like that or not. Um, so 
it's an option. Okay. I guess. <laughs> we'll get into that. Yeah. Basically, no more employers, no more factories, none of that shit. Yeah. When he says, well, he we wants can have to- them, but you can't have a boss. Right. Yeah. You don't want a boss. Um, okay. Mark says communists want to abolish private property. Uh, but he doesn't, he's not saying like everybody's got to share the same toothbrush. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. He wants people. Thanks, uh, Marks. Nobody gets to lord it over anyone else because they own something. Uh, they own the only way to make a living. You know, that's what he's saying. You know, okay. Uh, he's not, he's also not saying like, let's destroy all the stuff. Let's destroy, you know, the, the Google servers or the GM assembly lines are saying, he's saying we want to abolish the private property relations there. So like you said, no more bosses. So yeah, you don't have to burn down the factory. You just have to get rid of the guy running it and put it in the hands of the people. Yes. Okay, cool. There was a last thing I wanted to add on there. So you asked about, uh, later though, you say in bourgeois society, living labor is but a means to increasing accumulated labor. In communist society, accumulated labor is but a means to widen, enrich, and promote the existence of the labor. Yeah, I wanted an example of that because I did not understand that at all. Yeah, Mark says currently, uh, why do you work? You work um, to keep yourself alive so that you can work more, right? Um, Yes. Because the the only way that you're going to, that the boss is paying you is because it's a good deal for them and they're paying you just enough basically to keep you alive so that you come back yep so he's saying work is just beginning more work okay that makes sense and in a communist society workers labor would be good for them and good for society it would not be i'm working just so i can get by it's i'm working so that society produces shit that is good for society for me okay so this is the hospital that actually is in business to heal people mm-hmm. and not to make money. And the farm that's in the business of feeding people. You know, it's, yeah, what people do at work benefits them and not the bosses. You don't have this parasitic class taking what it wants at the top. Now it's everybody's working for everybody, for themselves. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I like that. Um, I like, I thought this next section was interesting. He kind of rants about people who are all pro free trade. Which has always been a very confusing uh-huh. term for me because I'm like free. Like, what do you mean? It, they make it sound good. Like, don't you want everyone to do business with everyone? I'm like, <laughs> right. I mean, I guess so. Yeah. He, What's free trade? <laughs> free trade is just the idea that businesses or theoretically individuals, you know, anybody can buy and sell things anybody. with each other without there being a lot of taxes or regulations or whatever. Okay. What he's comparing this to. You know, when he's saying, oh, the bourgeoisie, all they talk about is freedom, free trade, whatever. But they're comparing that to the old Middle Ages. And he says that the fettered traders mm-hmm. of the Middle Ages, he's talking about like the old guilds. Where there was a ton of rules on who can sell what and who whatever. Who sell what where, how kings had like, you know, all these restrictions on, on who could trade with whom also. And he then says, you know, free trade is sure. Yeah, it's cooler than the Middle Ages was like. That was dumb. Uh, <laughs> it's but a step up. Is itself bullshit in its own way when it's compared with not having any of capitalism's like exploitation anymore. He's saying communism doesn't want to buy and sell things in this way to make a profit for people because that means people are getting exploited. You know, free trade, it's nice because, oh, you don't have to go through all the various regulations and stuff, but it's also bad because, you know, who produced all those things that you're that you're buying and selling somebody who was getting cheated. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to a, like a business analogy. Cause those kind of help me. Let's say I'm running okay. my, my restaurant. <laughs> Shay, Christine. And I pay my workers. And at the end of the day, we have a profit. Do I then 
can I just give that profit to the workers? Is that okay? Does that mean I'm okay? No. <laughs> okay, no. All right. So you can't decide anything is what I would say. Well, I'm saying, okay, maybe, yeah. We as a group decide what to do with that profits. And we could decide, oh, let's yeah. just split it up between us evenly, which is what I would do if, like, I mean, if you think about it in, like, a very small way, like if I'm working with a friend on something, you know, that's what I would hope that we would do. Yeah, I would be, I would say that this is probably soft communism here, but I would say that it's fine for you, for, you know, you and your workers to decide together where that profit's going. If you have the power to decide where the profit's going, okay. even if you decide it's all going to your workers, it's still a problem that you had the, that you had the power. That's still yeah, bad. You is what communists would say. Yeah. I mean, I get very angry when I think about later mm -hmm. he gets into charity, which I have a lot of feelings about charity because we shouldn't have to rely on rich yeah. people to survive. So like people make these big deals about like, Oh, look at them. Like fairly paying their workers or like, you know, donating their stuff to charity. And like, they could also not is the thing. Like there's nothing stopping them from mm -hmm. not. And most people don't. So like congrats to this one dude, but also like it shouldn't be a choice. Yes. Yeah. That's the, yeah. I think that's the distinction there is does someone have that power? Okay. Okay, cool. Um, my next question was, yeah, that next part, communistic abolition of buying and selling of the bourgeois conditions of production and of the bourgeoisie itself. I don't understand any of that. So he's, this is what we were saying with, he thinks, sure, free trade was better than the Middle Ages, but it's bullshit compared to the world where there aren't any bosses exploiting anyone at all. So communists want to, uh, uh, you know, abolish okay. buying and selling all this marketplace of everything and bring about this utopia where you just, you just have what you want. And that's way better than free trade, you know? Okay. Yeah. It's like, what would you rather have free trade or free everything? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, or freedom, okay, cool. like actual freedom. Yeah, actual freedom instead of wage slavery. I like the next passage uh, because it made me think of something specific to America here. He says, you're horrified at our intending to do away with private property. Oh, I love this. But in your existing society, private property is already done away with for nine-tenths of the population. Yes, yes. I mean, this is what I was talking about earlier when it's like, no one can fucking buy a house anymore. Like, most people are just getting by. And what about good quality, top-notch healthcare, right? Healthcare, food. Like most of us are just like, fuck, I'll eat it. Like it's, you know, covered pesticides and like, or, you know, it's going to kill yeah, me, but yeah. I'll eat it. And so, yeah, he's, he's calling him out and saying, oh, you know, you guys are, are so scared that, oh, we're going to take away your stuff. Well, you know what? Most people don't have this stuff. So deal with it. It's true. And then, yeah, <laughs> you had the LOL here because he's like, uh, in one word, you reproach us with intending to do away with your property. Precisely so. That is just what we intend. <laughs> and I drew a little guy shrugging and he says, you got me. Yeah. Um, but I think by this point, he's kind of, we broke it down to where you understand that when he's talking about abolishing their property, he's not saying everybody, you know, line up to use the one bathroom in town. He's saying, <laughs> you know, we're going to make it to where people can't, you know, exploit other people like that. Like, Okay. I think I think it's confusing to to maybe it's just because like we have a very narrow or a very broad definition of property. We have a conflated view of property that's done on purpose. They want you to think of yourself as a property owner because then you're like them, you know? Yeah, like the housing market. Like they want you to get invested in it or like your 401k. They force you to get involved in something I don't really want to be involved mm -hmm. with, which is fucking yeah. gambling, basically. Um, but they make you invested in it. So that way you don't want to overthrow it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I yeah. give you a little, you know, small enough of a stake to where you, 
Crumbies. fantasize that you are in, you know, the real bourgeoisie class. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can feel like you know what they mean on marketplace when they talk about the stock market. Yeah. And that it represents you and that it's a good thing when the line goes up, you know. Exactly. Freaky. Okay. I think I got the rest of this. Let's see. From the moment individual property can no longer be transformed into bourgeois property. What does that mean? Oh, um so he's saying basically individual property being like let's say my labor, all right? Mhm. If that can't be exploited or stolen from me and transformed into some money in the in the portfolio of the capitalist right if they can't pay me less than i'm worth and they take that extra mm-hmm. uh, then they're saying oh individual you know the, the individual has been lost you know man is no longer free because there's no more you know there's no more big estates <laughs> and, and things that they make money off of or whatever that's the only time the bourgeoisie start crying about individuality is when it refers to their individual right to exploit okay. other people. Okay. Um, he's saying basically they're being hypocritical about They They want the right to exploit people mm-hmm. and they're sad that people want yeah. to take that away. Uh, communism deprives no man of the power to appropriate the products of society. This is what you're saying. It, communism says, Hey man, you can, you can have whatever you want. You can own whatever you want, but all that it does is to deprive him of the power to subjugate the labor of others by means of such appropriation. So you can have what you want if you get it fairly yourself, like as a person, you just buy it or come across it, whatever. But you can't take from others unfairly. You can't be a boss is what it's saying. Okay. So, I mean, uh, gosh, I keep going back to my my restaurant analogy. Um, Do you secretly want to be a small business owner? (laughs) This is it. You've uncovered me. Um, I just apply for that small business loan. No, I don't. It just, it helps me kind of condense these ideas. Sure. So isn't the very nature of making a profit exploitative? Because at that point, aren't you exploiting the consumer of like, hey, I made this for 50 cents, but I'm going to charge you $20? Kind of. Eventually, you wouldn't even have that. You just come in to the restaurant and eat. You're not doing it to make money because you have all the money you would want. You know, you have all the things, not money, but things you would want. Yeah, you're you're cared for. In the interim, I mean, it's it's a surplus service like... It's not really, you don't need it. You can, it's a luxury item and you could distribute it in the market like that and say, you know, oh, I'm willing to pay some of my extra money that I get, you know, on that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it'd be, yeah, you're kind of taking from the customer, but you're not, the customer's not forced to show up at your place. Okay. Cause that's, that's, I guess what I was confused about when you're saying like, yeah, you can still own things that you buy, but I'm like, well, if you're buying things, isn't that exploitive in some way? Like someone probably got fucked over making that whatever the way it's set up now yeah but if you remove the bosses and the workers were okay. in charge or something and they produce that thing you can buy it and no one's forcing you to buy it so it's not like exploitative like but whereas if someone has to show up at the at the factory to survive and they're paid less than they're worth then they're getting they're getting okay used. so if there's like a phone factory and they're making phones and this factory now is worker run so the workers are being paid fairly and there's no bosses and they get to decide to do with the profit then it's cool if i buy a phone uh yeah i guess so yeah that'd be fine <laughs> i'm so selfish i'm just like can i still buy things yeah you're just you just yeah i just want my stuff it's just fine i mean i'm sure a lot of people <laughs> think, that's a, that's a big hang-up i think a lot of people have with with communism is what if I'm, you know, living in a tenement with eight other families and, you know, we all have gray clothes and whatever. You know? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think it'll be that bad. I mean, again, it, it, there's such a difference between the interim and food replicator times. Like, yeah, you can't really account for that because we've never been in that. Yeah, and it's a transitional society, so I don't think it's meant to be perfect. Uh, there's not like a, it's not the ultimate good when you're looking at, you know, running the for the profitable restaurant with your workers. Like, ultimately, that's not where it's at, like. It's fine. It's fine yeah, for a little eventually while. Eventually, we just want. It's better, but it's not the real, the real thing. Okay, real McCoy. Okay, um, what's this sentence mean then? <laughs> Riddle me this: uh, that culture, the loss of which he laments, is for the enormous majority a mere training to act as a machine. Uh, I think the he in this refers to the bourgeoisie. Yeah, mm-hmm. bourgeoisie culture. Uh, he Marx here is talking about bourgeois culture being used as training for uh, capitalism uh, as raising people up to believe that capitalism is good to play their role and to be thankful for it to, to think it's good training to act as a machine so like you're this cog it's great that you're this cog mm-hmm. and <laughs> we love you you know thank you for your service and being this this cog like you know it's it's great and it's wonderful okay so the brainwashing that happens now mm-hmm. yeah okay cool um, let's see. The next kind of question you had about yes, the family about, and stuff. So he, yeah, he talks again about family stuff, um, which is on capital. Uh, let's see. On what foundation is the present family, the bourgeois family based on capital, on private gain, which is absolutely true. Like I keep referencing the same fucking book because it's the book mm-hmm. I'm reading. Um, but I mean, yeah, so much of marriage is just an economic exchange for hundreds of years, thousands of years. That's what it yeah. was. Yeah, uh, that's definitely what he's saying there. And then you get to the next part. I think it's an interesting yeah. quibble. What does he mean by this? He says, but this state of thing finds its complement in the practical absence of the family among the proletarians and in public prostitution. Is this guy anti-sex work? Uh, so I had to do some reading on this because I was unsure. <laughs> Here's what I've gathered. Marx is saying that communists should generally be for the abolition of sex work. Okay. I mean, I get it in the sense of, like, there's exploitation going on if people are only doing it because they need to survive, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the way I'm... I'm it, it's... I mean, he's treating it like every other work, though. Yeah. So communists want to end wage work in general, right? Make it to where you don't have to work to make a living, end that exploitation. But that doesn't mean, like, to do so, we're going to go crack down on the workers and say, you know, <laughs> hey, asshole, get out of this factory, you know, right? Yeah, so they wouldn't do that to prostitutes either. So I don't think he's advocating that they crack down on prostitution, although uh, communist party, you know, controlled countries, socialist countries or whatever, like Russia, Cuba, Vietnam, these places have in the, especially in their early days when they were just getting, they, they definitely cracked down, I guess, on sex work. Ugh. They, they did that. But the way I look at it is like you said, Abolish all work, right? So mm-hmm. in the same way, you know, with, with any worker, we want to help them where they're at right now, right? Communists want to uh, help them unionize, help them fight for their rights, help them get better safety, better dignity. Yeah. Like that's, that's what, what they want. want to do for workers. So that's what they want to do for sex workers too. Okay. I, I can get behind that. But they also don't want to have it to where anyone needs to be a worker or a sex worker. That makes sense. So they're like, it's fine. I mean, in Utopia, they would just have sex for fun, I guess. So, yeah, right? I don't think I was thinking about that, too. And I was like, <laughs> I, was like, I, I don't that think work? there's an equivalent for sex work in a, in a utopian communist society. I don't th- I mean, definitely not work in terms of wage labors. I mean, people get empowered by it. Like but people like it. There's no money 
there's no money, so you would just be stripping for fun or you know having sex for fun. Yeah, which I mean, just do that. Which like, people do. That's I don't I can't picture what it what a that sort of transaction would would be in a communist society. Anyway. Yeah. Um, ultimately, that wouldn't exist. So that's I think what he was what he's saying in in terms of abolishing it overall. That would be my interpretation. We can interpret it as, hey, they're workers just like the rest of us, and they should also unionize yeah. and. Everything should be as, as safe and as respectable as it possibly can for them now. And just like every other job, let's make it to where it doesn't need to, doesn't need to happen, really. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm into that. Um, let's see. Hmm. Okay. I liked this, this note about um, rescuing education from the influence of the ruling class. Mm, I want that to happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, his point of view on that was to put education in the hands of the workers, you know, in, in the hands of the proletariat would control that and govern for themselves how their schools are run instead of having them, you know, like any sort of cultural thing geared toward pushing people into, into capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, we, we'd like to do a whole episode on this would be how the, the, especially the American education system is set up to brainwash you into loving capitalism and to obeying authority and all that good stuff. <laughs> we definitely need a, a, a episode on that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The need to, to free that from the, the grasp of the ruling class. Uh, he goes on to, I thought this was a good, a good section here talking about uh, women's liberation basically. Right. Yeah. So I like this note. Um, this sentence, the, the bourgeois sees his wife as a mere instrument production. And my first thought was immediately like the girl boss movement, because I, I see a lot of, um, feminist spaces really celebrating like women CEOs and like women owned businesses. And I'm like, that doesn't mean it's a good thing, you know, like if it's a small business, sure. Like if you're fucking handcrafting jewelry or something, but if you're the CEO of, you know, Yahoo, you're still CEO of Yahoo. You're still exploiting Mm -hmm. people. Yeah, more female war criminals. You know. <laughs> exactly. Like whenever people were talking about Joe Biden's running mate being a woman, I'm like, Sarah Palin was a woman, y'all. <laughs> women are all good. Like, I hate to break it to you. <laughs> Sometimes women can be bad. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a matter of class, you know. It's that's that's what he's talking about there. Um, and he also is referring to uh, the family dynamic that he mentioned that that the bourgeois. You know, when he hears that the instruments of production are to be exploited in common, he automatically thinks that, oh, they're going to communize women too, all right? Seeing women grossly as this, like, commodity to be owned by the individual bourgeoisie rather than communally or, you know, owned by society when he's saying, communists aren't about that, yo, we don't think people should be owned at all. I'm kind of confused by that. Can you explain that more? Yeah, he's saying that the typical capitalist sees their wife as someone they that belongs to them. Okay. All right. And so when he hears the communists are coming after your private property, he thinks, my wife. <laughs> because he sees his wife as property. He's like, dude, you're the one who sees a person as a property. Like, you're the one who's fucked up, not us, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he's saying that, you know, that class does see women as instruments of production in the sense of production of reproduction of yeah yeah for sure controlling that and he's saying you know communists aren't about that communists want women to be free uh from that sort of domination yeah i mean if you think about it like i I was having this conversation with like some people on instagram like in that wonderful comment section that capitalism and the patriarchy are 
just so they're a rat king in terms of tied together yeah. they are just all the same thing and like it disproportionately affects women mm-hmm. and we were having a discussion of just like someone said something like isn't it funny how like so many capitalists are men and we were just like and someone was like well there's tons of women capitalists too you know the whole girl boss movement and we're just like yeah for sure but like let's not pretend that women have it easier like yeah. <laughs> like i'm not gonna pretend to sit here and say all women are are not capitalists and that's great but i'm also not gonna say that like women aren't disproportionately affected yeah and how have women capitalists uh, or anyone that's not male capitalists how have they gotten to where they are in high positions and everything fucking people over by playing the game the, the, <laughs> by playing by those rules uh that the that the patriarchy has set out right it's not that they are radically advancing a feminist agenda in where they are. They're getting by, you know, by those rules. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked this line a lot, which is, the communists have no need to introduce community of women. It has existed from time immemorial. I really liked that. Yeah. Because um, it is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's basically burning them there and saying, you know, yeah, like you said, women are already doing their thing. They're already cool. And, you know, you guys are lame for not thinking that. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. He gets he talks more about prostitution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he mentions it. He's kind of he's using it as a tool to to deride the bourgeoisie and everything saying basically you guys are the ones who are treating women like property and everything. We want to get away from that. Okay. A little slut shamey, but okay. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think it was his best his best line. Not his best take. Yeah. Uh, I liked this part. The working men have no country. Uh, the idea that first we have to take over and we, we can be a nation, but mm-hmm. then whenever we're we're done with that, we should be done with that, right? Isn't that what he's saying? Yeah, yeah. His process was take over the nations, use it for yourself, tra- you know, transform them that way. And if we do that in you know multiple nations and stuff, we can gradually just take those nations on down, man. You don't need that. Yeah. And again, that was one of my big revelations last week was the idea of the state falling away because no one ever talks about that part. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Also, I liked the idea of putting an end to, quote, the exploitation of one nation by another. Um, I like that uh, because that is a big part of capitalism. World peace, man. No more imperialism. (laughs) No more warfare. None of that. Um, And this next line is very shady. The charges against communism made from a religious, a philosophically, and generally from an ideological standpoint are not deserving of serious examination. Yeah, he's just like, that's <laughs> po- I ain't even going to waste my time on that. <laughs> he's just like, not moving on. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That was good. He gets into a little bit of philosophy, though, in terms of discussing the change in religious ideas, the change in philosophical ideas and everything. Yeah, I, I made a couple of notes on that. Uh, let's see, he says... The ideas of religious freedom of consciousness merely gave expression to the sway of free competition within the domain of knowledge. So again, talking about how religion has been used as a tool to encourage competition and encourage freedom in the sense of you're free to exploit people. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I was confused on this next bit because I basically my takeaway was like, so is he, is he cool with religion or is he not cool with religion? Mark thought religion was dumb. <laughs> personally okay he understood why it happened Uh, from his perspective people created religion as a way to understand what was going on you know as a way Mm -hmm. a imperfect expression of their problems with the world but this is where he starts to actually quote his critics you know and say oh critics say Mm -hmm. that whatever (laughs) critics say that uh five stars you know religion and, and all this stuff 
they've changed, but you've still had religion in some sense, right? So, you know, these communists, they're, they're, they think that they're going to change this thing radically, but come on, there's still going to be religion. There's still going to be morality, philosophy, whatever. Um, and he's just like, that's bullshit. Here's why. Even though society has changed in the past, what hasn't changed is that there have been class antagonisms, right? Mm-hmm. We've had the feudal lords and the serfs, the bourgeoisie and the pro, you know, there's always been these classes yeah, at each other's that cycle. That part is what is going to change. We're not talking about moving to another system with classes against each other. We're talking about the proletariat taking power and then like they're not being any more classes because they're not exploiting anyone. It's just yeah. going to be proletariats hanging out, having a blast. So what he's saying is, you know, we don't know what's going to happen after that. And he says, I think we're not going to have all this religion stuff and everything because its origins, those class antagonisms are no longer there. So why do you have it? Okay. He says, with that gone, with that gone, you're not going to have to worry about this stuff. Well, if you think about it, a lot of religion is are codes for morality. Mm -hmm. And if you are in the true utopia where you have no wants or I guess no needs, then you probably there's probably not as many moral quandaries going around because you're like I'm I'm good like I'm I am taken care of. Yeah, that's a that's a big part of it for sure. Is with the elimination of that material want, people aren't going to have as many you know problems as they do now, as many vices ideally as they do now either. So, yeah, and that's kind of a human naturey sort of thing. Like it's there's no way to prove it. This is kind of a prediction of his. Yeah, very theoretical. Yeah. Okay. Um, He says, in the hands of the state, i.e. of the proletariat, organizes the ruling class. Again, like the proletariat gets to take over the state. Yeah, the proletariat, yeah, controls the state and is now the ruling class is what it means. Okay, I like that. Now the workers are in charge. They call the shots. They run the state. And then he goes on to outline the... The shit they want to do. And he, he kind of he kind of hedges and says, eh, this might not be the same for everywhere, but generally, I know, I thought this that was is what funny. we think we're going to do. What do you think about this? Um, I have a ton of check marks written by a lot of these to indicate I approve. Some of them got multiples because I was excited about them. This is a good one to read through. Yeah, let's do for it. For our listeners, let's tell them what the 10-step program for communism. <laughs> uh, okay. You <laughs> get your is. chip after a year. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number one. Abolition of property in land and application of all rents of land to public purposes. I just wrote universal housing, right? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, yeah, uh, universal housing and like publicly owned. There's there's no nobody owning any land that is owned is owned by the people. If there are rents charged to that, it's all used in public ways. It's not it's not given to any landlords individually. Okay, so no rent. That's, I yeah, like that's that. That's how it's set up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that would be. I'm I'm just trying to think of like an example. So my apartment building is now owned by everyone who lives here instead of a landlord. Yeah, or by the state if it's owned by the state. Oh yeah, because because the workers took over. Uh, so one system of of how it might work is you pay rent on it, right? Because you mm-hmm. are making money at work. You're still going to work and making money, but you're not getting you know you're getting a fair amount. Mm-hmm. And when you pay rent, you know it goes to the government, and the government gives everybody like, hey, this is your housing voucher you know it's it's a certain amount of money and you can just use it to pay our rents if you want you know and if you want something fancy you can use extra money to to get something fancy if you want something regular you know you can use just that that should cover it i don't know okay so wait does my rent would it go to the upkeep of the apartment building or is the government taking care of that the government would be running it yeah i mean i I guess it's i guess you could have it more decentralized you could have the the apartment run as like a little co-op and everybody Mm -hmm. that would work too Either way. Okay. Either way. <laughs> Either way, no more property. Yeah. 
Okay, the next one. Step two. Um, heavy progressive or graduated income tax. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah, I don't even have any questions on that. I want that. <laughs> yeah, 95% on those top guys. Yeah, they don't fucking need it. Um, have you ever seen that tweet where it's like, if we just tax Jeff Bezos, we could pay for college for everyone? <laughs> like, that's it. Like a 4.5% tax on him. That's it. Jeez. <laughs> All right, I had a question on the next one. Confiscation of the property of all immigrants and rebels. What is he talking about? Uh, immigrants would be people who uh, take their ball and go home instead of adapting to the new rules, right? So they, they leave the country. Oh. Like, whatever, you can't take my plantation and slaves from me, I'm leaving. <laughs> okay, shitheads. Yeah, so like all that, that sort of thing. And rebels, obviously, would be people who say fuck this worker state and they take up their guns and you know basically it's you fight you know the people who you would worry about if uh this came to pass in america <laughs> like getting their guns and going after them okay you skipped one though oh did i yeah oh. step three abolition of all rights of inheritance yeah i wrote hmm by that because i want to know how that works so you can't pass things on to people anymore the most radical and effective way of this would be 100 percent inheritance tax oh okay so when you die you're dead man you're gone so you're <laughs> Your stuff is taken by the state. I think that would be very hard for a lot of people. I'm fine with a um, with a, with a cap. Let's, let's say you want to leave a million dollars to somebody total. Okay, that's it. Total. Yeah, uh, I mean, million dollars, cool. and then everything up up from that, 100 percent tax. Yeah, because I, I think I think the states has this big narrative of working to provide for your children, you know, for a better life and stuff. Thing is, under socialism, everyone's got that chance. You know. Yeah. Okay. Got that. That makes sense then. So like basically saying, hey, we're providing for you, so you don't have to do it. The state will do that. In a real socialist thing, it would be way lower than a million dollars. But that's something reasonable for Americans uh, yeah. who want to, you know, the de- they, they oppose the death tax and they want Ugh, to make it to, God, the death tax. to where you can leave, you know, your, your huge company or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that's interesting because I feel like inheritance laws have been so big. Just so encompassing of keeping up these structures, like yeah, that, that that's how the ruling class continues to propagate. Mm-hmm. They keep passing shit to their rich sons. Exactly, it carries on. It makes more and more of them. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, the next one, number five, um, centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and exclusive monopoly. That sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like public banking, basically. Yeah, I like that. Because I, I am confused by banks. I'm just like, how can you make money off yeah. of my money? That doesn't seem correct. Banks are confusing. That's, yeah. Yep, they definitely are. <laughs> I think it's purposefully. I also would like to talk about, this is maybe another episode, I feel like in the States, at least, we are not given a good financial education. Um, I learned everything about credit scores from our parents and from fucking up my credit score. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you're not, you know, all those time spent saying the Pledge of Allegiance in school could be spent instead learning about that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I don't be. know. <laughs> I don't know any of that shit. Like, I opened, like, an old Navy card, and Kyle was like, that's a bad idea. And I was like, I didn't know that. Like, nobody told me. <laughs> For sure, yeah. We don't We don't get much of a, of a financial education. Like, at all. <laughs> Is it? Cause, I yeah. bet it's because they want to be purposefully confusing. Yeah, you want people to know just enough to be good consumers for you to feel like they're participating and to feel like they're participating, but to participate the right way. Like you want people to use credit cards and not Mm -hmm. to pay them off like every month You want them to make minimum payments and be paying you extra money all the time. 
you want to make it as simple, as easy to use as possible, but as only, easy to spend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You only want them to use it in that way that makes you more money. So yeah, okay. So yeah. So if we had a national bank, they wouldn't be pulling that shit. Yeah, if you had a public bank, we technically have a national, like the Federal Reserve oh, yeah, Bank. Oh yeah, I guess you know, we do. But that's run by bullshit business people. So <laughs> I feel like they're just wizards in there. I don't even know what they do. I feel like it's like, now things are expensive. (laughs) (laughs) I do not know anything about finances in case it's not clear. Uh, Number six, centralization of the means of communication and transport in the hands of the state. I love that. I would would really like that. Nationalize the railways. Yeah. Nationalize telecommunications. Mm -hmm. You know, nationalize uh, internet service providers. Make it to where everybody has free Wi-Fi broadband everywhere that they have. It fucking should be. I mean, Mm -hmm. as this... This time period especially has shown us it's a fucking human right. Like you it's can't public utility, yeah. You can't function without it. Like kids right now who are doing remote learning, if they don't have internet, what the fuck are they supposed to do? They just they don't yeah. get to learn. Districts are down to like uh, driving buses, like school buses out there, rigging them with a Wi Fi hotspot and Oh my god. Driving them out to the neighborhoods that don't have that, yeah. Or like telling people to come to school parking lots to get Wi Fi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I've seen the that fuck? too. It's wild. So yeah, do away with that, nationalize it, make it public. Provided for everyone. Yeah, I want a high-speed rail system. That'd be rad. Tell me about it. Um, okay, number seven. I put three check marks by this one. I really liked it. Extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state. Oh, this is why I liked it. The bringing of cultivation of wastelands and the improvement of the soil, generally in accordance with a common plan. I love this. Sustainability. It is Green New Deal before Green New Deal existed. Yeah. Yeah, man. He was on it. He's on that trend. Mm-hmm. Publicly uh, run a uh, environmental program. I love uh, that. Yep. Um, okay, I was confused about this. Equal liability of all to work. Um, establishment of industrial armies, especially for agriculture. What does that first bit mean? I understood the second bit. It's another way to say the first stage, that socialist stage, where it's uh, from each according to his ability to each according to his contribution. Okay. Uh, it's the stage where there aren't any more bosses, but people still work to get what they, you know, to get what they need. Workers wouldn't be exploited. Everyone who could work would work. It's so when he says everybody has equal liability to work means everybody has to work. Okay. What it's who he's targeting. Isn't like who Republicans target when they say that (laughs) he's targeting the bosses. He says the bosses don't, they have to do their fair share. Yeah. He says those lazy assholes need to actually do work. If they're going to make any money, they can't just steal the profits off of other people. Okay. Um, I like the, the agricultural armies thing. Cause we could just be way better at food than we are. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay. Combination of agriculture with manufacturing industries, gradual abolition of all the distinction between town and country by a more equitable distribution of the populace over the country. I'm bad at reading out loud. I never volunteered for that in class, but <laughs> I like this. Um, yeah. So we talked a lot about urbanization already and how that kind of, swelled the rise of capitalism and stuff like that. But I like the idea of, of starting to spread out more in like, yeah, not being so urbanized. It is kind of interesting. Yeah. I didn't, it wasn't one that stood out to me because I, I thought maybe like, it's a little weird. I don't know. Sure. Do that if you want, but <laughs> I guess it could be, it could lead to interesting uh, environmental, especially, you know, impacts. That's what I was thinking. Just cause like things like, I don't remember what it's called, but the, like a concrete, jungle is that jungle yeah yeah the, the temperatures yeah being way like, higher and yeah it's like up to 10 degrees warmer in in a city area um and and just basically trying to make our 
our systems more sustainable by spreading out more. Because when you have a ton of people together, it's, it's going to get nasty. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, all right. Good one there. Step nine is good. <laughs> all right. Step 10. Last one. Step 10 has three check marks. And next to it, I wrote, I'm horny for it. <laughs> what you got? Free education for all children in public schools. Abolition of children's factory labor in its present form. Okay, we don't have that, but that's okay. Uh, Combination of education with industrial production. Is that like trade school? Kind of, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's a. I kind of did some research on this too because I wasn't sure. Uh, There's a part in Capital where he that's his you know his big tome Mm. uh, where he talks about uh, what education in a communist society might look like, uh, and he said he says basically he. It's kind of trade schooly. He thinks that uh, education in general, once children are old enough, should combine. His quote is combine productive labor with instruction and gymnastics, not gymnastics. only as one of the methods of adding to the efficiency of production, uh, but as the only method of producing fully developed human beings. Okay. So this is kind of a holistic approach in saying, you know, it'd be good for kids to learn to do things. Yeah. Especially because in this utopia, you're not really training them like to do work that they have to do to survive. You're just do, training them to be able to do things for themselves, you know? Okay. Like what kind of things? I mean, like <laughs> woodworking. Um, like Okay. Uh, just for fun like shit? Fixing things. Yeah, it can be, it's essentially, it can be hobbies. It can be it's all fixing electors. things. It can be, uh, yeah, universal shop class, uh, you know? Um, yeah. But like it can be handy things, repair things. It can be okay. farm or work. like gardening, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like how you just to run your own little commie garden. Mm-hmm. I like that. Well, I I have a lot of feelings on education that are very nebulous. But as someone who knew fairly early on in high school what they wanted to do, I definitely got tired of, of bullshit classes where it's like, I'm never going to use this information on, you know, cell anatomy. So like, can I not? Could I just mm-hmm. skip that one? So um, I, I think it'd be nice if we, we had more practical learning. Yeah, I think so. I think the key uh, to that is, you know, worker or popular control of this rather than it being in the hands of a state that's controlled by the capitalists because the way it stands now you know if you track things more and say okay some students are going to be better for this some students are going to be better for that the whole goal of that is to train people to work for the capitalists right Mm -hmm. like how in high schools pretty early on they start separating people by like i mean technically it's by like grade point average and stuff but it's also by income on if they're going to push you to take ap courses or other classes or if they're going to push you to do our our school had the career center that they built so they they started pushing that on honestly on mostly lower income kids Mm -hmm. yeah so that's why when you're talking about these trade schools kind of aspect to it you want it to be you know as a means of improving the kid you know as as a means of of like if they want to do it sure not just because you are in a certain demographic you should probably go here right yeah for the betterment of the student rather than for the betterment of capitalist society yeah okay yeah i'm into that sounds good the next bit political power properly so called is merely the organized power of one class for oppressing another what what does that mean i wrote it and i highlighted it in yellow which means cool but it should be in red which means explain it to me oh this so this paragraph all goes together i'll, I'll yeah summarize what marx is saying here uh is that the proletariat revolution will be the last class versus class revolution okay once the proletariats are in charge, right? Another oppressed class is not going to show up 
because the proletariats aren't doing any oppressing. Okay, because everything else has been a cycle of like, okay, now... Now these guys are in charge and get to do the oppressing. Feudalism yeah. is gone. Yeah, exactly. Instead, now the proletarians are, are in charge. There's no opposition class because there's no oppressing going on. And now there's no class struggle. And therefore, where it says uh, they will they will thereby have abolished its own supremacy as a class. That's because they're not supreme to any other. There, there's no other class to be supreme to. That's really interesting to me. Yeah, they're the only class around. They're not bossing anybody around. Everybody is there together. Yeah. So I thought that was very interesting because it's like, once we get to a worker-run government, we have to trust that those workers. I mean, I guess it's just like everyone's going to be accountable to everybody else to make things so. I mean, I don't. I don't know if strict is the right word. But to make things so dang equitable that they can't have power, if that makes sense. So, like, nobody can be like, well, I'm making the rules here so I can, I can get extra. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you want to guard against certain factions or small groups or, yeah, people from developing any sort of privilege over other people. Yeah, or, and we corruption. don't mean just, like, material, but, like, power. Uh, the ability yeah. to command it. You can't have a president. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you can't You can't have structures be so where some people can amass power and wealth for themselves and, and start to get a, a class oppression going again. That's one of the things you, you see where states go wrong, like Russia and stuff yeah. like that under Stalin and things. Okay, cool. Um, we're now in section three. We made it. Oh, this one's a good one. So Marx is just talking a bunch of shit in this section. It's so good. Yeah. He's just criticizing all these different groups of quasi-socialists and why they're dumb. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. I, I was, most of my questions were like, who, who the fuck are these people that he's talking about? So, yeah. yeah. He uh, starts with the feudal socialists, which is strange. Yeah, it's a strange term. They wouldn't have called themselves like, yeah. socialists. This is just him making fun of them. But he's making fun of uh, aristocrats and royalists. Um, who are, you know, in his time still around. And remember, they're the ones who are trying to turn back the clock and say, yes, oh, we want to go back to when basically to when we were in charge. But mm-hmm. how do they present that to the people who are now the ones you need to convince? What, what they do, he says, is they try to convince the proletariat that things were better back in the old days. Okay. When the feudal lords and the king looked out for them. It, it's a sad and naked plea for power. It's just them saying like, Please, you know, just 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 put us back in charge. We'll make everything good. You don't like those Ugh. bourgeoisie, right? And he's just like, "That's dumb, guys. Like everybody sees what you're trying to do. You know, you're just yeah. trying to put yourself back in charge." Okay, that makes sense. Uh, who does it go after next? Oh, I love that he used the term highfalutin. Highfalutin, I, yeah. I thought that was like a modern term. I was impressed. Yeah, I don't know if that's just something in translation. I would love to see that what oh, that is yeah. in German, but <laughs> I'm sure they have a word for it. Okay, they have a word for everything. They do. Oh, uh, right. the Christianity part was you. Yes, right? um, I was. I was interested in that. So I, I like that he brought up. You know, has not Christianity declaimed against private property, against marriage, against the state? So this was interesting to me because, like, that was definitely part of early Christianity was the idea of like, no, we're we're done with this. Like, you follow me, and that's it. Your wife is not more important than God. Like any of that stuff. Property, certainly not. Yeah. Property, yeah. Give it all away. You know, the whole like rich man can't go into heaven, something about a camel. And then that has been totally flip flopped now. Yeah. What he's criticizing here, this idea of Chris, of clerical socialism or, or Christian socialism, uh, is that it's just 
it's always been flexible. All right. Mm-hmm. It's earlier theory about how religion comes from the, the economy, religion and culture. Yeah. That all comes from the economy. He's saying it's changed over time. Like you said, in its early days, it's just like he's describing against private property, against marriage, against the state. It evolves from a, a rebel sect of Judaism. Yeah. To the official religion of the Roman Empire, you know, and from then on, it's kind of it's more of an establishment thing. Uh, Christianity, like he says, talks about charity, talks about poverty, talks about celebrating kind of being humble and being in your place. Yeah. Sort of thing. Following the rules. Yeah, Uh, because now that the people in charge have it, they're going to emphasize those messages. Yeah. So he's saying. Christian socialism or whatever of his time. And it's very specific to his time. He said, he weirdly says it's, but the holy water with which the priest consecrates the heart burnings of the aristocrat. What does that mean? Uh, He's saying that they use religion to kind of feel better about themselves. Uh, It makes them feel like they're good people. They're noble. They, they would stand up for the small folk. If only those damn bourgeoisie would give, you know, would give them power again. Okay. The nobles, kind of doing their part to help people. Okay. So the idea of like, I mean, God damn it. I got to stop referencing Downton Abbey. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. definitely that of like, Oh, I'm providing jobs. I can't believe my servants want to go work in a factory. Like I'm the one providing for them and letting them live on my land and shit. Yeah. So the cultural aspect of that, the, the religious side would be Christian socialism saying, do good for people. Look out for people, help Mm -hmm. people (laughs) who are below you. The key part for Marks being, why are they below you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I laughed because your dog barked. <laughs> Hi, Orion. All right, part B, petty bourgeois socialism. Petty bourgeois socialism, also lame. They're also losers. <laughs> uh, he says that basically that they're pretty good at criticizing capitalism. Okay. Mm-hmm. He, he kind of gives some examples. These are kind of precursor guys uh, immediately to him. Uh, Sismondi, some French Sismondi, guy. yeah. They say they're, they're good at pointing out the problems and saying, hey, capitalism's fucking some folks over. All right. But what do they want to do? They wanted to go back to the old guild master ways. Yeah. They want to turn back the clock either by just being straight up reactionary and saying, like, let's go back to feudalism or <laughs> uh, by this. This is that last sentence that you're like, what corporate guilds for manufacture and patriarchal relations in agriculture? Yeah. What What is that? It's kind of like historically specific there, but just generally putting the old powers back in charge of the new industry. So uh, running, trying to um, put old artisans guilds in charge of the big factories and the mills or having, you know, modern agriculture that can produce all this stuff, but putting serfs back working there again. Yeah. Okay. I, I, my trend, my attempt at an example was basically keep all the, the benefits of, of capitalism but somehow make it small like like the whole shop small or shop organic movement is that is that kind of right yeah you would keep you know keep the scale small in terms of the producers the producers would you know they'd be run by a small shop or something mm-hmm. marx just says this is idiotic because like yeah that you doesn't put make that sense in, you put it in place one day it's gone the next like it's immediately going to get destroyed there's a reason it was already Move, we already moved past it because it no longer worked for what Yeah, like competition wise, that won't work. Yeah, so I mean, like the next day it'd be gone. Bad idea. Why did you even come up with this? Is what he's saying. Okay, got it. I liked your blues doodle with this. That was great. <laughs> Thank you. I, he used the word uh, a miserable fit of the blues, and I was like, I saw so I drew a little guy being sad. 
<laughs> All right. German or true socialism. I love this this title. Yeah, you were great on the breakdown here. Um, basically, he says uh, the uh, French came up with some, some ideas about about socialism and stuff because they were actually experiencing it, you know, experiencing like those class dynamics changing. Mm-hmm. And then when the Germans got a hold of it, they made it completely abstract and weird and, and like theoretical. just theoretical. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't know, you know, they didn't know what they were doing with it. And they just labeled things in, in this weird, like psychological way. Almost they become philosophy bros, basically. Okay. Uh, they're just trying to sound smart. Trying to sound, you know, educated and cool and and intellectual and complicated and moody and artistic or whatever. Okay. But they're actually lame and they don't (laughs) want to put their ideas into practice. Okay. Philosophy bros uh, that were losers. Okay. So they're philosophy bros that were losers. Okay. So they tried to enact this and it didn't work basically because it was just too theoretical? Because it was the wrong moment. It was too early. It was too early. Yeah. Uh, you made a note in here about the liberal movement. Yeah, well, who is that in this context? Because this was olden times. Yeah, uh, in olden times and just a difference in Americans versus everyone else. <laughs> this might be interesting for American or international listeners to kind of understand this distinction because it's confusing to lots of people. When Americans write, when we use liberals, what do you think of? I mean, like... Gay rights. <laughs> sure, yeah. Right? Being kind of sort of left Socially, yeah. So you, you're into social shit, social justice, that kind of stuff, right? You're into social justice. You're into like sort of, a, you know, government social safety net sort of thing. Yeah. Um, environmentalism, you know, that's, that's what liberalism is. In the States. In America, yeah. Yeah. Whereas in the rest of the world, liberalism and the classic form of liberalism, this liberal movement he's talking about is about free markets. I was wondering free that. Free trade. Because, yeah, I hear a thing. I mean, isn't that what Britain's Liberal Party is? Because I always hear about them doing bad things. <laughs> they're, the lib- they're called the Liberal Democrats. Like, if you were it's to call somebody name. a Liberal Democrat in the United States, this means they're, like, just to the right of Bernie Sanders or something, you know? <laughs> but in Britain, a Liberal Democrat is, like... An asshole. Yeah, they're, they're a libertarian, basically. Jeez, ugh. Free trade, limited government, property rights, individualism, all that. that, that that's, that's liberalism to the rest okay. of the world. That's weird. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting because, I mean, he's made that point throughout this is that there, there are all these cries about, well, this is, this is about freedom. This is about individuality. But they're, they're talking about the freedom of markets and not the freedom of people. The freedom of markets and the freedom of the people who are running the markets. Uh, democracy, yes. but for property owners. Yeah. You know, what he's talking about here is a, a bourgeois movement against the old feudalism or the remnants okay. of it. So the next part where he talks about the German socialists mm-hmm. trying to do stuff, what he's saying is they try to introduce all their, all, you know, like they're like, oh, damn, we've been thinking about this for so long. Let's go out there with it. Right. So they go out there and they say, we got to get rid of all this, all this lame bourgeois stuff. You know, they start talking shit about it. Basically, they, they're like, oh, we don't want democracy for property classes. We don't want this. But they, they just weren't paying attention, basically, to what was happening. Like the bourgeois were fighting for those things that they then stepped out and said, we don't like that stuff. <laughs> oh, okay. So the ruling class said, look at these guys. You want to be like these guys? Get them out of here. And they crushed them. <laughs> Okay, so it was just too, they didn't have enough people, I guess. Didn't have enough just, people also. Yeah, yeah, this was just a small little intellectual. They Basically, they, they just showed up like, oh, I've been, I've been studying in my lab. Here's what I think you should do. When yeah. it's like, no, we're not even there yet. Our book club thinks that we should, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Let's see. 
Eh, he basically shits on them for a few more paragraphs, right? Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll go on to the next section. He just says they're losers. Yeah. Uh, conservative or bourgeois socialism? Um, I loved this part uh, <laughs> because it starts shitting on, uh, let's see, uh, belong. this section belongs to economists, philanthropists, humanitarians, improvers of the condition of the working class, organizers of charity, which is what I highlighted, Members of Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, Temperance Fanatics, Hole and Corner Reformers of Every Imaginable Kind. I thought this was really interesting because it says um, that these people want all the advantages of modern social conditions without the struggles and dangers resulting therefrom. So they want these benefits of capitalism, but they still want to take care of people without realizing, like, you have to get rid of capitalism to care of people. Like, I have very conflicting, I have talked about it before, but I have conflicting feelings about charity. Like, mm -hmm. thanks. Like, thanks for doing that. But also, like, we shouldn't have to rely on that. That ties into when we were saying, um, when you were asking about the small business and saying, uh, what if I decide to distribute the, pro the profit to my workers? Good. Good for you. you shouldn't have been able to decide. What if someone decides I'm going to give 95% of my wealth away? Great. But you shouldn't have had that choice because some people won't make that choice. Exactly. And again, I, I get so mad about these stories being shared about, you know, good CEOs. And I'm like, fuck it. We shouldn't have any CEOs. And if they're good, like, congratulations. But most of them aren't good. Like, I, I shouldn't have to rely on one person's whims. You know, what if they had a bad day and they're like, fuck it, I'm keeping all my money. Like, I should not have to rely on that. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because um, Marx kind of makes the distinction between two slight variations of these losers. The first part is like, some bourgeois socialists just they dream that one day everyone will be a bourgeoisie everyone will just <laughs> how does that work rich like them and we'll just all go to the country club together or something that's like know? not how that works you can't yeah. do that someone has to get fucked over exactly yeah he says you know oh they want they want the current system without the proletariat basically just yeah maybe, maybe robot slaves i don't know but that's the that's the first group and then he gets into the second uh, that are any kind of questioned about the mm -hmm. administrator reforms, but basically he's saying there they want to make the material conditions for the workers better. Yes. Right. But they want to make it better for workers. They don't want the workers to make it better for themselves. They, they don't get to make their own decisions. Right. They want the workers to, you know, workers don't try to take power for yourselves politically or in the workplace. Vote for us, you know, and we'll help you do that. Okay. So it's kind of that, that classic, you know, like, well, they won't know how to spend this money if we just give them this money kind of thing. Yeah. And they certainly won't, shouldn't be in control. They don't know how to run it. You know, they don't know how to do any of this mm -hmm. excellent innovation and stuff that they do. <laughs> yeah. So keep the bourgeoisie in power, uh, but do it nicely. Yeah. I, I wrote next to the section, I just wrote liberals with an angry face next to it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, a bit of self-hatred there because I used to identify as liberal. But. Same. Uh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, it is that idea of when you're, you're, you're baby woke, you know, the right things to say, you know, and, and you're like, I think we should help poor people. Great. I don't think there should be poor people. Yes. Mm -hmm. Not in the sense that I'm going to exterminate them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other side of the political spectrum. <laughs> but no, in the sense that like that, that shouldn't exist anymore. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, I like your note then later because he's talking yes. about, he's kind of characterizing this and saying, you know, oh, we're going to have all the same things. Yeah, we're going to have free trade for the benefit of the working class, protective duties for the benefit of the working class. And then he says prison reform for the benefit of the working class. So is he saying we should just not have prison? Well, I guess he might have been meaning that. What I think he's saying here, I think, is he lists a couple like not good things. I don't know. Who cares about yeah, free trade? Yeah, it's like free trade doesn't actually benefit the working class. That's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Like he's being sarcastic. He's saying basically don't be fooled even when something sounds good. Like prison reform. Yeah. Right? It's great. It's good. Do it. We should yeah. do prison reform. Workers have to, though, take power for themselves instead of have the bourgeoisie give them some nice little prison reform. Okay. okay. Uh, it, it's nice to be less exploited. And also we're not saying like, don't do anything in the, you know, don't fight for prison reform too. definitely yeah. do it. Take whatever they're willing to give us, but don't settle for that being anything you ever get. You want to be in charge of yourself rather than having someone else do some nice things for you. That makes sense. Okay. So the idea of like, you can still vote for, I mean, sorry, sure. yeah. just shit on the Democrats for a second. You can still vote for a Democrat because they're going to, they're going to help things in the meantime while still being like, Hey, this isn't fucking enough. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Um, the section. All right. Gets to critical utopian socialism and communism. Yeah. I think I was confused on this part. He starts talking about the old utopian socialists. These are actually oh, precursors okay. to Marxism. Yeah, to Marxism. People um, who are like, I'm going to go start my own shit later. Yeah, basically. Uh, <laughs> I want a whole episode on that. <laughs> they're wild. And uh, I like that you pointed out in the footnotes there, the uh, the communist colony. Yes. By Cabot, um, his American communist colony. Yeah, I want to I wanna know more. For part of that, they were in Texas, actually. Mm. In the Denton area. Oh! <gasps> Denton. So, well, it's, it's, it's kind of a sad story, but we'll, we'll, oh. we'll take a look at it. It doesn't turn <laughs> okay. out too well. Oh. Um, but basically, these guys were, yeah, they're going to go start their own shit. And they were dreamers. These people were thinking, like, what would the ideal world be? Let's do that. Okay. But Marx's argument is that basically they weren't really ready for revolution at that time. Like, the society hadn't caught up to that, hadn't got to that stage yet. So when they're you know, when they're dreaming about these things and trying to put their ideals into practice, it doesn't match up with the with the material world. It doesn't match up with where history is yet. So it fails. Okay. I kind of interpreted it more like these people kind of opted out of the system instead of trying to overthrow the system and like that's not going to work. Just because he talks about how they reject all political and essentially all revolutionary action. They wish to attain their ends by peaceful means, necessarily doomed to failure. Basically, they're saying, I'm out. I'm outie. I'm going to go start my own community. And like, cool. I That's not going to work probably because like your community is going to end up being dependent on other communities. Like yeah. you can't have your own place unless you unless other places are also doing the same thing. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. No, that's totally. In, yeah, that's that's definitely a good reading of it. He's then criticizing their strategy and their tactics, right? Their tactics of separating and trying to do their own thing. But he's also criticizing their whole idea of bringing this about when the time isn't right. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't even think about that. Oh, cool. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote good ideas, bad execution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're, they're just trying to, you know, fuck off and do their own thing. And it doesn't work. Like you said, yeah. they're still going to have to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, that's pretty much that whole section. Yep. But I do want to get into those colonies at some point. They sound kind of cool. They do. But kind of, right. it also doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't. 
All right, section four, position of the communists in relation to various existing opposition parties. This one could have used some naming work. Like, that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, Engel should have been a more strict editor if he was involved <laughs> in this editing process. Um, all right, so mainly here he's talking about how the communists work with various groups, right? Yeah, so the, the whole friends of convenience thing of like, yeah, we'll team up with whoever the fuck we need to to get some reforms Mm-hmm. But yeah. like, also, we're not whoever's fighting for reforms. We're on it, you know. Anything yeah. to help the working class, even if it's within the current position. So earlier, when we were talking about abolishing sex work, eventually, mm-hmm. you know, in the meantime, improve working conditions for sex workers. Yeah, abolish, you know, required work eventually, but in the meantime, help workers. Yeah. So what he's saying here is abolish, you know, bourgeois democratic electoralism and all that. Right, voting for a rich representative to go you know, help you out of the goodness of their heart. (laughs) But in the meantime, use that and get what you can out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, He gives like specific examples, which like I didn't know anything about any of these. So that was interesting, I guess. Oh, all those parties? Yeah. Yeah. They they just parties that existed back then. Okay, cool. Um, Basically the idea of betraying people once they give you what they want, which I love. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Fight for it. Fight for them, comrades. And then actually your class enemy. Get out. (laughs) Um, I got a little sad because he's like, we can do this in Germany. It's going to be great. And, you know, this is 1848. Things don't turn out so hot for Germany. They don't. Um, when does Marx die? Uh, he died in 1883. Okay. He didn't get to see it get real bad then, I guess. That's good at least. But no, he, he kind of prematurely predicts a world revolution, you know, maybe starting with Germany and then spreading all over the place. That didn't work. Well, yeah. (laughs) He was very early in that prediction, and the reason he, he the reason he said for Germany is because of their productive capacity or whatever. He basically said that they're you know further along in this, uh, they've got a developed working class, and and they they're they're closer to the eve of it. But yeah, no, incorrect, wrong, didn't work. <laughs> oh, yeah, it you happens. can't you can't get them all. That's okay. Um, I like this, this last bit, uh, the proletarians have nothing to lose, but their chains. They have a world to win. Yes. Famous like last that. lines. Let the ruling classes tremble at a communistic revolution. Mm. Like that's dope. That's uh, very and dope. The famous working man of all countries unite. Love it. Our workers of the world unite is sometimes how it's. Yeah. Let's make it more gender neutral. That's how, how it's put. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a strong ending there for the yeah. overall peace. Yeah. Cool. We we finished that. Um, that took a while. <laughs> it really did. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's the Communist Manifesto. Our take on it, at least. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's it's debate widely debated. Um, these various passages, and we're kind of interpreting it in a modern way. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what I liked about reading it with you because you very much had the historical context, and I was like, hey, I, this is how I'm seeing it from like 2020. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's do a very brief organization corner. All right. In our organization corner, we're talking about... Babies first, organizing. We talked last time about what organizing is. Anything to do to raise class consciousness, right? To, to grow the working class, to make people realize you're in the working class, fight for it. Okay. What is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what can you do? You know, in, in first steps, the easiest thing you can do is talk to people in your, in your life. Uh, talk to people you know and i'm not talking about like preaching to them it's not a great idea don't do no, that doesn't work don't just go telling them the good news of communism they'll look <laughs> at you funny all right 
The best way to do this is to listen okay. and to contextualize things for people. So when they talk to you, when, when people are talking about, you know, they went to the doctor and they, they got a huge bill for that or whatever. They, they you know, they didn't realize they were going to have to pay this much for uh, glasses or something. Or just, just regular shit. Mm-hmm. Or they know somebody who got laid off. Or, yeah, or whatever. Or like an, an ambulance costs more than the treatment at the hospital cost, or something like that. Yeah, or they're looking at, or net, you know, gosh, now so many people. Like, how am I going to pay rent? How, you know, I'm mm-hmm. struggling to get by. You know, I got laid off. So many people are going through that. You don't want to come out of the gate and say, "Well, you know, communism would fix that." <laughs> I mean, considered communism, <laughs> but you want to phrase it in in ways that you know make them realize that they're not in it alone. Mm-hmm. They haven't done anything wrong to deserve this. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of guilt in money right now. Yeah, and try to tie it to a bigger systemic thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, man, yes, yeah, so many people are going through this. Isn't that crazy? You know, isn't isn't that so terrible? So many people are suffering in that situation or, you know, so many people go through that. And it doesn't have to be that way is a big thing. Kind of presenting positive alternatives. You know, what if everybody uh, got health care? What if everybody... Uh, was guaranteed housing, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah, I I think for me, it it comes down to these conversations of like, you're struggling right now. And they're like, it's, I mean, a lot of it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm in therapy, not to brag, but it's about like, validating these feelings of like, yeah, you do work hard, you don't deserve to be treated like this. And everyone's being treated like this. And isn't that fucked up? Instead of saying like, you know, that's just how it is. Or like, you should have worked harder or whatever it is. I don't, I don't think anyone would just fucking say that to your face, but it's definitely implied in a lot of rhetoric. Mm-hmm. It's you're trying to demystify people with this. And what you're trying to do is pull them away from the view that America is, or uh, any place uh, is a meritocracy. Mm-hmm. Take them away from that. When you're saying this isn't your fault, you're saying, you know, neither is the success of, of people at the top. They didn't earn that necessarily. Yeah, because I think people get very sensitive about like, you know, if I go up to someone and say, hey, I think we should have universal housing, people are gonna be like, well, I, they didn't earn that. And it's like, yeah, neither did fucking Jeff Bezos. He didn't earn his shit either. I don't know, just, just telling them like, it's okay. Like, it's okay if you want free housing. That's a good thing. Like, Everyone should have it. And I don't know how to explain that in like a not patronizing way, but yeah, it's, that's, that's a challenge is, is presenting this in a way that is more comradely, more, more equals. Mm-hmm. You don't want to quickest way to turn somebody off is just to, to tell them how much you know and how much they don't. Oh, for yeah. sure. For sure. Don't do that. So, and that's what I like about our discussions here is it's not me telling you like, Hey, this is what this means. <laughs> Please listen. You know? It's not mansplaining the podcast. Yeah. Like we're, talking about it together and sometimes I have insights on things and sometimes you do that when you talk about these issues with people when you see what what people just like you and me are going through um, or in different walks of life are going through you can learn a lot about kind of how the world works for different people how different people yeah, see the world I mean world. you gain empathy yeah and it makes you better at organizing in the future so it makes you better okay. like at having these as you have these conversations you get better at them and you're better able to kind of get your point across mm-hmm. and better able to listen to what people are saying and translate that into, into getting them to realize their class position and stuff. Yeah. So maybe practice on someone who is predisposed to liking you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why, yeah. That's why I said the, the first steps would be definitely not strangers in the street, right? The <laughs> first steps would be 
subtly trying to communize your friends and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did it. My my partner used to be a libertarian. <laughs> so it only took a few years where we're there now. Now he's listening nice. to this podcast and supporting me. Awesome, yeah. So yeah, I think that would be the the basics of the organization corner is start small, talk to people you know, listen more than more than you speak and don't preach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's those are good points. I think you're very good at that if I can brag on you. You're Thanks. very you're very empathetic and like you can talk to people who definitely don't agree with you politically whereas I just like want to flip the fucking table. Um <laughs> so yeah, you're you're pretty good at that. Thank you. Thank you. I I try. I'm conflict averse. That's why I do that. Actually, I mean, yes, <laughs> <laughs> you are the chillest person alive. I'm just trying to keep everybody happy. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You also don't really want to upset people. It's fine to like. Uh, it's also fine to shit post online. Like that's cool. Yeah, You're online. It's a different space. But you know, it doesn't practically really <laughs> help the movement much. Um, if no. you're, you know, you're burning liberals on Facebook or whatever. Like, <laughs> it's fun, but doesn't really get you anywhere. <laughs> yeah. But regular posting, like just, you know, oh, Christine, what you do Oh, when you socialist rant and then you follow mm-hmm. up with cat pictures. Perfect. <laughs> perfect organizing. There. Yes. Uh, for more, see my Instagram stories because I do that about once a week. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect organizing technique. If you have animals, ruthlessly use them to advance the workers <laughs> cause, please. Uh, that's that's good yeah do that well <laughs> so i have started like trying to engage more with like trolls i hesitate to to say that that's a good thing in general but people you know people on the internet have no filter and they'll just be like hey fuck you you're a fat piece of shit or whatever and i'll be like hey can i ask what prompted you to go insult per- someone you've never met before and just like make them look at it again because most people will post it and just like fucking leave but like sometimes people will be like oh yeah i don't know like they'll they'll explain like they have a backstory for doing that. Huh. Yeah, some people do. Some people just are. I thought you would have a zero percent success rate with that. Okay, wow. <laughs> no, one guy I talked to, I posted some Bernie fan art, um, and I was gonna try to like raise money for him and shit. And someone was just like, um, I can't remember what the original comment was, but it was very rude. And I was just like, hey, like, can I ask why you're upset about this? I'm just supporting a candidate. I think that's an okay for thing for me to do. And they ended up saying that like. They agreed with me on a lot of stuff, but they're just like, I'm just really disenchanted with it. And like, I I just don't, it sounded like they were just burned. Yeah. Electoralism is bullshit. Yeah. And I'm like, I agree with you, dude, but I'm also like, I'll do what I can right now. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's it's interesting to have these conversations with people from a place of empathy. Um, I I would follow Rain Dove model on Instagram. They are like a gender nonconforming model. And they uh, have a lot of these conversations with people who just message them these horrible, like, anti-trans stuff and they come out with like hey how are you doing today what's going on in your life and like it just makes a person realize like oh that's another person on the other side of the screen and it makes them like really start to question like hey why did i think that was okay just to like fucking shit on this person that i don't know yeah for sure that's that's an awesome way to look at it i don't recommend it for everyone it takes a lot of emotional (laughs) energy but if you got it sure yeah i wouldn't do that (laughs) i'm gonna stick with (laughs) trying Try to keep everyone from yelling anything at me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it every day, but I, I try. All right. So take your first steps in organizing. If you want to, if you're to that point yet, you know, like if you're not, that's also okay. I really haven't. I, I do talking to people and everything, but I have done little beyond in terms of organizing. So I get well, it I think, if you're not to that point, you know. 
I think learning is a big step too. Maybe we skipped over just like learning more about leftist shit because it is a big world. And you, you know, if you come into it, just like, like from where I came into it, where I don't know much about it, I would like to know, I don't know if I'm a full tanky because I don't know enough about that. I don't know if I'm an anarchist. So like, I need to do more research first, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Reading about it is good. Uh, listening uh, to various leftist media and stuff. Very cool podcasts like ours. Yeah, for sure. You can learn <laughs> a lot. Um, you don't have to break out old books and, you know, and read them. You, you don't have to do that. It's confusing a lot of times. So yeah, as we right. as we learn. <laughs> but um, but there's so many ways to learn more and get yourself further down the road to the workers utopia. Hell yeah. Um, okay. I think, I think we've talked the shit about, about the Communist Manifesto. We've talked the shit out of it. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, we we really (laughs) left no stone unturned. Do you remember earlier this week when I asked you if we we thought this was enough for an episode and then it ended up being (laughs) enough for two episodes? Yeah, that was, and I was just, no, 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 totally. We have enough content for an hour. I didn't think, you know, (laughs) how much content we would actually produce from it, but there it is. Hey, you know, that's okay. When it rains, it pours. Yeah. And in this, you know, in this context, it's pretty good. Plenty of, plenty of theory for people to check out. Plenty of uh, things for them to learn, to advance uh, their capabilities in terms of uh, supporting the workers' revolution. You know? Hell yeah. What are we doing next time? Uh, let's see. Next time we'll be talking, uh, we'll be introducing a little series on Russia, the Russian Revolution. Uh, Hell yeah! Talking about how that went down and 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 what you know. Yeah. Do you want to do like a like a five hundred foot view first, just to kind of get the lay of the land, like a basic timeline, or do you want to go bit by bit? Uh, I think a basic timeline might be productive. Yeah, I think. I think that so might, too. Because I just might give I'm, everyone the perspective of it. Yeah. For context, in our like shared document where we plan episodes, I wrote, "What the fuck happened in Russia?" was my question. So I just don't even know. I know very basics. I know there was some bizarre shit. I know there was Cossacks. I know that because I had a, a piano piece that I played and it was called The Cossacks and I loved playing it. It was very fun. Nice. It was jaunty. Yeah. So we'll, we'll kind of take that big picture view first. And, and, and I think especially American listeners, we don't get a lot of Russian history unless you specifically seek it out in, in college or something. I was going to say, you know, yeah. So. Yeah. So I, I think a, a big view would help too. Cause like, you know, that whole fucking college courses are taught on that. So let's just get a summary. And then, you know, I think later episodes we can choose to hone in on a few different parts if we want to. For sure. Cool. Um, So yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, You can find us on social media. Uh, Twitter is at teach, teach communism. Sorry. At teach communism. Um, Instagram is at teach me communism. Email is teach me communism at gmail.com. You can also uh, find us on all kinds of podcatchers. Um, and if you really love us and want us to keep going and be happy and all that good stuff, um, you can write us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would make me very happy. It would make me happy, too. Good. So don't you want to keep us happy? Yeah, we really appreciate the people who have reviewed already and um, and people who have like followed us on social and stuff, too. Like, thank yeah. you all. That's, that's super kind. It's awesome. All right. So that's it. Um, thank you for teaching me communism. Anytime, yeah. Um, we'll be back next week. So tune in to Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. All right. Later, dude.